Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to the final edition of Extra Time for 2014. I'm Stephen Houston. In our last programme of the year, we look back over the highlights and lowlights of the 2014 sporting year and debate just who should be the country's sportsperson of 2014. I'm joined by Radio New Zealand sports staff Barry Guy, Alex Coogan-Reeves, Bridget Tunnicliffe and Vincent Wiley. Well, 2014 got off to a cracking start for the Black Caps. There were wins over the West Indies, India and more recently Pakistan. But the highlight, and quite possibly the sporting highlight of the year, was Brendan McCullum's triple century at the Basin Reserve in February. And McCullum on 298, leans over his bat, Zahir, here, and he comes, bowls. McCullum cuts, it's gone through backward point. Brendan McCullum, 302. Brendan McCullum becomes the first New Zealander to score a triple test century. A remarkable uh, achievement there by Brendan McCullum, Stephen. Uh, the country more or less stood still, but he perhaps has typified uh, just what's happened for the Black Caps in the last 18 months and that form that's just carried on. That's right, Barry, it has. I mean, McCullum, that uh, ended up scoring three double centuries this year and he joined the likes of Don Bradman, Ricky Ponting, uh, Michael Clark um, to be uh, amongst that, that elite group. And, of course, uh, the Black Caps have got a, a big summer ahead of them leading into the, the Cricket World Cup, and it'll be interesting to see just how they're going to carry on that form. Certainly one day-wise, they've been going well. I suppose the only real issue, and it's across all forms of the game for them, is finding uh, a secure and opening partnership batting-wise, and that uh, has been a struggle and, and still is. So it's, uh, I suppose that's the only real area of concern heading into the the World Cup. On a much darker note, Barry, the life ban of Lou Vincent brought home how New Zealand cricket and New Zealand sport in general is not immune from the scourge of match fixing. My name is Lou Vincent and I am a cheat. I've abused my position as a professional sportsman on a number of occasions by choosing to accept money in fixing. I've lived with this dark secret for so many years, but months ago I reached the point where I decided I had to come forward and tell the truth. It's a truth that has rightly caused uproar and controversy in New Zealand and around the world. I've shamed my country, I've shamed my sport, I've shamed those close to me, and for that I'm not proud. I lost faith in myself and the game. I abused the game I love. I had to put things right. Vincent came forward owning up to match-fixing in England County cricket between 2008 and 2011. He's also admitted to fixing in the now-defunct Indian Cricket League and the 2012-2020 Champions League that was played in South Africa. Ball into midfield and Nonu, some space there for Nonu initially, picked up by Corey Jane, Aaron Smith again. Well, England might be a man down here on the far side. Sarver going for the corner and getting into the corner. They have the series today. 
Rugby-wise, well, Barry, you uh, covered the All Blacks this year. There was also the, the Super Rugby competition. Uh, the All Blacks year in general, your, your thoughts there? Well, I actually didn't think they'd go through unbeaten. They did lose the one test to the Springboks. I thought perhaps they would have more trouble. Uh, you know, there's uh, the uh, cycle that other nations tend to go through between World Cups. Uh, they, of course, have risen a year out from the World Cup. The All Blacks have kept that high level. Um, perhaps it's just the emergence of a few players this year that impressed me. Uh, Jerome Kainal came back from Japan and uh, he uh, performed well in the Super Rugby competition. Brodie Retallick was named the player, an international player of the year, and his his performance is uh, just outstanding. And uh, in the centres, when we've had a few injury problems, uh, Malakai Fikatoa has also performed well. And I suppose uh, TJ Perinara lifting his game at halfback. And the first five situations, four first fives now, Dan Carter, Aaron Cruden, Bowden Barrett and Colin Slade. The stocks look very good for the World Cup. And perhaps that's impressed me the most is that there is backup in most positions now. Richie misses a game or Carter misses a game and uh, there doesn't seem to be any panic. So I was impressed with the All Blacks uh, this year. If we go all the way back to the Super Rugby competition, we did get three teams into the playoffs, the Crusaders, Chiefs and the Highlanders. And uh, in the, the the outstanding team perhaps of the season was the New South Wales Waratahs and they just pipped the Crusaders in the final 33-32 with a penalty that uh, Richie McCaw gave away uh, but um, overall another very good season Taranaki beating Tasman in the NPC uh, good to see the uh, lesser provincial uh, regions doing well which is all part of perhaps it being the uh, sort of almost uh, amateur competition now so uh, yeah an outstanding season and I suppose we can only take good things from it heading into 2015 that uh, it will carry on uh, and with uh, Wayne Smith now back with the All Blacks as an assistant coach, that uh, 2015 will also be a good season. Some talk they, they might be getting a bit too predictable. Well, that, that's the issue when it comes to defending now, is that because of the analysis that you can do on other sides, um, it is uh, easier to defend. But I suppose what the All Blacks do show, and they particularly showed this year the number of times they came behind from behind in the last quarter, is that it's just maintaining that intensity that other teams have to lift for the full 80 minutes where the All Blacks are able to do that. I can't see that Steve Hansen has kept anything in reserve, really. Uh, maybe a little bit of tinkering here and there, but it's going to be, I think, uh, a solid team effort with a few brilliant individuals, you know, like Julian Savier or Malachi Fikatoa or Ben Smith, uh, Brody Retallick even. That may be the difference in 2015 if they are to uh, defend that title. The Diamonds Commonwealth drought has broken. Gold medal, Australia and Glasgow. World number one. Champions and now Commonwealth champions. If we bring Bridget Tunnicliffe in now, Bridget, I suppose if we talk a wee bit, I suppose, about that, well, netball and the Commonwealth Games, um, well, were there any highlights for the Silver Ferns this year? Yeah, um, not not so much this year. Um, you'd probably have to go back to the 90s to find 
uh, to, to go back to a time when the Silver Ferns lost so many matches in a row. Um, I think they lost uh, it was about five in a row to Australia this year. Obviously, there was the Commonwealth Games 18-goal loss. Um, but because of the injuries and the shooting in, I think there was some hope that it wasn't really a true gauge, actually, of the Silver Ferns. But then the Constellation Cup in October, the opening match was another 17-goal loss down in Invercargill. And Australia went on to win that series 4-0. And I think it's something like nine wins in a row now that the Australians have had over us. So, yeah, the Australians definitely have opened up um, a definite gap between us and uh, Australia right now. Um, so that's a big concern heading into World Cup year next year. And the main concern is the shooting end. Uh, it was good to see player like Kayla Cullen come back after injury. She hasn't lost any of her zip. And a young defender like um, Timalisi Fakahakatao, she'll be a great defender in the future. And I also really like Bailey Mess at goal shoot um, physically. She's great at opening up the space down there. It's just obviously her shooting accuracy um, is a big problem. So hopefully she heads down to the tactics next year. So she'll get a lot of court time shooting. So that's exactly what she needs um, week in, week out shooting practice. Do you put that form down to, to injury? Uh, they were hit, obviously, during the, the Commonwealth Games with uh, injuries in, the, in that shooting circle. Was, was that, that the problem alone, though, do you think? Um, no, I think even if we had um, all our shooters on board, our, we just don't really have a high-volume shooter like the Australians do in Caitlin Bassett. I mean, Catherine Latu is great once she's got the ball. She shoots up in the 90s, but, you know, that's no good to us if we can't actually get the ball to her, and that's um, that's been a problem. The Australians have worked her out in a lot of ways and shut down options to her. So it's not just her, it's also the mid-quarters that need to try and find the connections with her but I think even at full strength um, New Zealand versus Australia if we still if we were fully fit I just think our shooters just aren't quite good enough at the moment and, and that was possibly even further highlighted with that with the series against England yeah so we had a real loss um, at home against England I think it's like the only what for the fourth loss in the, the history between the two countries um, so, yeah, that was at home. Luckily, we came back in that second test against England. Um, Catherine Latu actually finished off her season well, had a good game, good shooting volume. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that says a lot about where we're at, but it also says a lot where England are at. They're much better side these days. Um, and, you know, next year at the World Cup, they're going to be a real, um, they're going to be a real force at the World Cup. So we can't even look too far and get ahead of ourselves and think about that final. We also need to get past England and possibly Jamaica as well. And of course we can't wrap up the netball year without mention of Irene Van Dyke. Van Dyke announced her retirement from international netball in June, just ahead of the Commonwealth Games. The former South African international, who turned 42 that month, made her debut for New Zealand in 2001. She played 217 tests over a 20-year international career. Of course, before she turned out for the Silver Ferns, she played for South Africa, 72 tests for South Africa, and she went on to become the most capped Silver Fern, playing 145 tests for New Zealand. While she's retired from international play, Van Dyke will, of course, be part of next year's ANZ Championship, turning out for the Central Pulse. Big shout, another throw out there. I think the high 19s, she's got to be happy. That's her 54th competition in a row. And to defend 
the Commonwealth title. The queen of the shot put continues her unbeaten run. Pretty awesome. It is a three-peat for me, um, so that's pretty amazing. Every Commonwealth Games I've been to, I've medaled. So from the first one when I was 17 to now I'm 29. You know, from flag bearing to, you know, competing and bringing home gold medal to 600 medal, I can't ask for a better week than this. You know, I think I'm just so honoured and blessed to be um, be able to, to continue to do what I love to do for a country that I love with all, dearly and um, be proud of it. So, you know, I do love my job and I love competing even though it's painful on the old body. But hey, I'll continue to do so for as long as I can. Valerie Adams was at the forefront of the action at the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. Another gold medal for her, Barry, but perhaps her performance uh, a little bit below par. Yeah, I suppose you've got to give her credit that in 2014 she had uh, elbow and shoulder injuries, still managed to win. She's extended her competition sequence to... Well, well in excess of 50, isn't yes. it? Yes, and uh, she did concede that, you know, her throws weren't as long as she would have liked, but that was because of the injuries. She was uh, named the IAAF Female Athlete of the Year, so uh, she just continues on, and hopefully with these injuries now having been looked at and hopefully repaired, it's all looking good for next season, which is World Championship season. second between the two teams, heading up to 500. Germany still lead, 29.827, still New Zealand behind in the silver medal position. It is these two riders now, head-to-head. Dawkins trying to win this one for New Zealand. Who's going to take it on the line? Oh, it's very, very close, and I think New Zealand might have taken it. New Zealand have taken it. 42.840. I perhaps uh, the Commonwealth Games was the track cycling team, which Stephen, I know you followed them closely. But at the like the, the Olympics, uh, that they're or they're about bronze medals, but they came through against two of the top nations in the world, Britain and Australia, and won gold medals. And perhaps the the team that's really come on this year is that sprint cycling team, which, you know, they had a world-best time, I think, didn't they? Well, that's right. They won the world champs uh, in uh, Colombia earlier in the year. Uh, They also then went on and won in Glasgow uh, to take the gold medal there. So that was a a top performance. Um, The other point to note, too, amongst the cyclists was with the mountain bikers, uh, Anton Cooper and Sam Gaze, that one-two finish. They they went out from the the front and they were in that lead group and dominated there. So that was another strong performance and obviously one to... or a here to keep an eye on, especially towards uh, Rio in 2016. I suppose it was uh, a teamwork against the Australian who was the highest ranked cyclist in the uh, field and uh, really they, they worked together and just when it came down to the sprint at the end, um, the Australian had nothing left. The two young New Zealanders did particularly well, so uh, a great performance by them. The sevens perhaps was a little bit disappointing for the New Zealand fans. They had won every gold medal in the end, four Commonwealth Games titles. And uh, Gordon Titchens continues to remind us how difficult it is now to win the World Series. It's very competitive. And, of course, all the Commonwealth nations play sevens. And that proved to be the case. Uh, I, having looked at that side and the way they've started the World Series again, I, I, I wonder whether... When it comes to the Olympics, so some some of those All Blacks are going to have to to come in and add a little bit of spark. But uh, yes, it was a disappointing no gold medal for the sevens team. Bridget, any highlights for you from from Glasgow? Yeah, for me, it's the it's the surprise wins that I really enjoy. Um, Zane Robinson uh, winning a bronze in the five thousand meters that was not really expected, and just seeing his reaction afterwards. 
um, and just to be able to compete with those Kenyan runners where he's actually based and trains, you could just see how um, how stoked he was to went to get pick up a bronze there. And also um, Julia Ratcliffe, uh, she picked up silver in the hammer throw. So yeah, great to see people, our New Zealanders performing well on track and field. We move on to rugby league. Um, Alex Coogan Reeves covered uh, the Warriors throughout the season, and uh, I suppose a, a brief mention for for them, Alex, because um, well, that it didn't wasn't a huge season for them, was it? Well, there was a lot of excitement, if you remember, after round five when they uh, sacked coach Matt Elliott and uh, brought in Andrew McFadden mid-season, which was uh, to the surprise of a lot of people. They hadn't been going that badly; they'd won two, lost three at that point, but there was talk that uh, they'd already been wanting to get rid of him and uh, a loss to the Sharks sort of was the excuse that sparked that so uh, Andrew McFadden came in who was actually Matt Matt Elliott's assistant and he'd sort of been helping him and mentoring him and uh, that you know they had their usual up and down season. Really, they uh, they gave us hope at times that they they were going to pull something off and and look like world beaters, and then uh, create an opportunity to uh, reach the playoffs. And then uh, in that final round, obviously, got thumped a bit by Penrith, and and for the third season in a row, they they missed missed out on the playoffs. So they haven't been there since they made the grand final in uh, 2011. Things were a bit brighter for the Kiwis, though. They're lapping this up to the last seconds. It's over. The Four Nations champions are the Kiwis. New Zealand have won their second Four Nations. That was, a, I guess, a bit of a surprise coming off the Warriors season. Um, Obviously, Australia were a bit under strength with uh, players like Billy Slater not there, Cooper Cronk, and also uh, Jonathan Thurston, um, Paul Gallen. So there was quite an extensive list of players that uh, that didn't make it for Australia, although New Zealand were, were missing some as well. But they sort of comprehensively beat them in that first game. And I know there's been games where New Zealand have beaten them before and you think they're probably not going to be able to back it up. But... Um, no, that that final was just a great performance. I think Sean Johnson really stepped up and um, he took another leap as as one of the top playmakers in the game, and he was obviously rewarded as the top international player um, recently. So, yeah, people forget. I think he's only 24, and it looks like he's uh, really started to develop, which is pretty exciting for for Warriors fans moving forward. Vincent Wiley's been following some of the football over the year. Um, Vinny, the uh, well, the All Whites. Um, I think they haven't won a game for, for nine of their last matches. Um, your thoughts there? Well, new coach, of course, Anthony Hudson's come in. New coach Anthony Hudson, of course, has come in. Uh, he's been talked about as many. He's been he's been talked about in the past as sort of a young Mourinho, sort of a protege. He is friends with Mourinho, and he knows a lot of those top European coaches and mingles with them. So he's come in with a very high uh, track record. He... Uh, beat out the likes of Ramon Trebuliac, the Auckland City coach, uh, more local candidates for that role. He's obviously, uh, he'd been at Bahrain, which is of course a country the always have some history with uh, on an uh, international uh, regime, and he's wanting to, I guess, blood the next uh, group in because the likes of Glenn Moss, the goalkeeper, um, Shane Smeltz, has uh, not featured in his uh, ta- in his matches yet, so uh, he's given a lot of young players a chance. We've seen Tyler Boyd step up to uh, all-whites level. Marco Rojas has come back and played a couple of games uh, 
the youngster Ryan Thomas, who's uh, impressing in the top division over in Holland. Um, so very much uh, a young all-whites team as he builds towards that 2018 tournament in Russia. Um, but yeah, as you say, a couple of the results have been disappointing. I think they had a draw against China, which was uh, you know, not too bad. But uh, there is high expectations with the coach that's come in. And he's talked a lot about his philosophy, a little bit like... Uh, some of the European coaches and, and what he wants to do with the game and map out the way they play the game and change the style and change the structure and make it truly professional. He's managed to coax Tommy Smith, who uh, of course walked away from the All-Whites for a period there to focus on club football, only to discover his club team didn't want to start him. Uh, he's come back in and they seem to get on uh, and he's managed to get everyone sort of in on board. So uh, results haven't come to the fore yet, but of course it's a, it's a long period uh, ahead. Yeah, it's more a case of watch watch the space, isn't it, for, for the All-Whites. I mean, they, they played Japan, South Africa, Uzbekistan, China and Thailand this year. And uh, I suppose the loss to Thailand was the, the low point for, for them. There was, though, some highlights for, for football this year. Vinny, Auckland, Auckland City most recently, and uh, their run at the Club World Champs. Fantastic scenes for New Zealand football, for Auckland City Football Club, still in its infancy. And yet here they are, taking the bronze medals. I think it's maybe the sixth time that Auckland City have been a part of the Club World Cup tournament. Of course, the, the winners of the Oceania Championship, the O-League, go through, but uh, they have to get through a playoff, so they've only got past that once prior. Um, but, of course, what a phenomenal run it was, um, getting past the Moroccan champs, uh, Maghreb Tetuan, in their, in their first game, and then uh, getting past the Champions of Africa as well in their first quarterfinal matchup. And that's when, you know, you start counting the dollar signs, isn't it? I mean, it was $2 million. I think at the end they finished at third, so they got $2.5 million US. They get to keep half of that. The other half goes to other clubs in New Zealand. Uh, and when you're an amateur club, albeit only in name in many ways, because they are run very professionally, um, you know, that can make a really big difference. It'll be very interesting to see how that money is spent. But, I mean, if you talk about on-the-field performance, I mean, it's just phenomenal. They've beaten a couple of professional teams. They had a warm-up tournament before going over there, and they beat uh, a professional team as well from overseas that came in to be a part of the tournament. Um, it's, you know, it wasn't just one-off matches. It was uh, a couple of games, and defensively, they only conceded three or four goals in the entire tournament. They were taken to extra time two or three times, um, so they showed it wasn't just a fluke or one-off. What's interesting is actually back in May, the uh, Oceania Club Championships that you have to win, the O-League, to qualify, they only got through from their group to the playoffs of that tournament um, as the second-best qualifier in a group. Um, they lost to Amakala Vanuatu, so they needed other results to go their way to even get into the playoffs of the Oceania Champs. So it could have all been very different, but of course now it's a phenomenal run and you know they rightly uh, are getting all the plaudits uh, from it and Ivan Vasilic, uh, bronze boot, player of the third best player in the tournament. What a career he's had. So, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, quite phenomenal. Two putts for the win. And she's already been a big winner today. <laughs> Lydia Ko pulls off the double here at the CME Group Tour Championship and has five wins. Before her 18th birthday on the LPGA Tour. Remarkable. Golf, Alex, Lydia Ko. Um, I mean, what about her year? Well, she's just gone from strength to strength, really. I mean, it kind of makes a mockery of last year when people were talking about all the money she was going to miss out on for winning all these tournaments as an amateur, and now she's turned pro and she's winning just as much. She had three wins on the LPGA Tour, including that, of course, world record payday. Um, winning the their tour ending uh, tour championship and um, topping their what the order of merit or the race to, race to the globe as they um, call it and I think 
that performance in, in the final round of that tournament really uh, sums her up. The way she played the playoffs, she played the same hole uh, four times in a row and just played it exactly the same every time. And that and that's just what you expect from her now. I mean, she had 13, 14 top 10s this year. I don't think people understand, especially people that don't follow golf, how, how hard it is to get that kind of consistency across a, a, lo- a long season. So... Yeah, it's just been another sensational year and there's no signs of it slowing down. I guess the only thing that's going to start to be asked or the only thing missing from her resume at this point this early in her career is she hasn't won a major yet, but it seems like it's a matter of time thing. It's hard picking standout performances, uh, team, but we've got the, the Halberg, of course, early in the in the new year. Um, if we go through some of the, the, the lists there and just who, who might be up for particular awards. I'm a Barry, uh, Sportsman of the Year. Who, who are you p- picking there? Well, you mentioned Brendan McCullum, of course. Uh, Stephen, he had an outstanding year, and uh, we go back to the likes of uh, Martin Crowe and Richard Hadley that are members of the cricket team that have done uh, particularly well. Uh, Mahi Drysdale, uh, he's back and doing his best to uh, lead the way towards a, a Rio gold medal again. He's got back into form. Richie McCaw has led the... Uh, All Blacks, uh, another great season there. Sean Johnson, I think Alex mentioned his performances this year in Rugby League. And, of course, Stephen Adams uh, in the NBA, who's doing particularly well. All the cyclists that performed uh, while uh, they were away this year. So, um, Pick one, Barry. Yeah, okay, Brendan McCullum. (laughs) Brendan McCullum, I think, yeah, that that 300 and just the way he's led the Black Black Caps has been outstanding. Alex, who are you going to go for? I mean, I know you've been following the the Rugby League. Um, Does that necessarily mean you have to choose Sean Johnson or or who who do you? And, of course, on Twitter, the uh, owner of the Stephen Adams Watch... uh, Hashtag, so it'd be lovely to see Steve uh, Steve get up there. But no, <laughs> in all seriousness, I think the sprint cyclists um, sh- should be in with with a look there. That'd be for the team team of the year. You can't but, but um, the individuals, some of the individuals, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it is pretty hard to go past Brendan McCallum. I mean, when you look at the list of guys that have had three double centuries in, in a year, it's it's very much an elite list of and a who's who of uh, cricketers. So. Um, yeah, he's really one of going going to go down as one of New Zealand's great cricketers, and I think it would be a, a nice nod to the cricket team, especially given how they have gone in the past and how things have turned around. Sportsman of the Year, Bridget, who do you like the look of there? Yeah, Brendan McCullum, but also I think Stephen Adams. Um, I mean, what a freak to break into the NBA and to have such a good first-up season, and how good is it to be able to follow one of our own in the NBA? Um and when you think how hard it is to to get into that um, competition, it's every boy's dream in America to make it, and only a tiny percentage do. And for a guy from New Zealand, I think it's amazing. But the thing that might count against him, he didn't play for the Tall Blacks in the World Cup this year. So, you know, that's a bit of a shame. So mm, I really like Stephen Adams' chances, but I think, you know, Brendan McCullum, you've all said it before, what a great season he's had, and I think he'd be a deserving winner. Vinny, I suppose, uh, given the way things seem to be shaping up, Brendan McCullum seems to be getting the nod. So um, are, you, are you, you jumping on the Brendan McCullum boat? It is probably the one that stands out. Um, and keeping in mind how difficult his changeover to captain was and you know the tumultuous sort of nature of Mike Hesson as coach at that point and Ross Taylor and that whole thing and everything that's gone before him. And you know McCullum felt his integrity was questioned and his sincerity. Um, so he's now very much a popular figure in uh, the public's eye and... He seems to enjoy captaining the team. He's always wanted to do it. He had been the vice captain and had it taken away under a previous coach. Uh, the way he sort of uh, sort of embraced that captaincy and uh, 
he's willing to go out on a limb sometimes and you know make some you know sort of abstract uh, fielding decisions and put someone in a different place and take a couple of risks which I always quite like um he is a very strong character he is a he is very kiwi and um his performances with the bat with a few double hundreds he really has sort of enjoyed the responsibility that captaincy uh has has given him and, and some of his other players the younger guys the Kane Williamsons have also been performing well underneath him and both in leadership and uh, in scoring runs as well so hard to go hard to go against him um Geez, if they win the World Cup next year, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But it, what could he win it twice in a row? I mean, this is without a World Cup, of course, isn't it? So, um, but he's certainly, certainly a pretty good candidate. Sportswoman of the Year, Barry um, Val Adams, Lydia Ko, the, the the usual suspects, or at least uh, certainly Val Wise and Lydia for the last couple of years. Oh, you can't go past the, those two, really. I think that what Lydia's done this year, and also Val, um, just continuing on. I'd probably go for uh, Lydia. Actually, I think um, you know, especially winning that last tournament to be the uh, top one of the season, uh, would be my my pick to uh, take out the women's prize. Bridget, your thoughts here? Yeah, I don't think anyone else has really got a hope. Um, oh, you know, but either of them would be worthy winners, and I don't think anyone would, you know, really question, you know, if it went to either of them. Um, I, I think maybe Lydia Ko, though, just the composure that she's shown this year is such a young age. Um, she's just so cool, cool and calm. Um, yeah, I think it would be nice to see Lydia take that award. Vinny? Well, I think if you if you look at the two of them and you think Val Adams, I guess it's hard because she's dominated for so long and most of her contenders have been done for drugs, but uh, has she improved? I know she's had the injuries, but from where she was 12 months ago, is she a better athlete? Maybe, I mean, she's at a phenomenally high level, but possibly she's, you know, at a sort of on a, on, on a par in a way. Uh, and as has been mentioned earlier in this program, she herself wanted slightly better distances with some of her throws, but... You know, what a phenomenal run she's been on with victories. Lydia Ko, you know, 12 months ago, a lot of people were critical of her award for winning, uh, the Supreme Award, uh, you know, having not completely, you know, still hasn't won a major, a lot of things she's still to achieve in the professional game. But from where she was 12 months ago to where she is now, so many more wins on the tour, having a full year on the tour at such a young age, the consistency Alex mentioned and all that, despite how talented, how precocious, how incredible she is and what could happen still, she's improved significantly in 12 months. And having won it last year, you sort of have to say, well, how can she not win it this year? Alex? Well, uh, yeah, it is probably one of those two, isn't it? I mean, uh, Lauren Boyle also with uh, good performances at the Commonwealth Games. But, yeah, as as Vinny's saying, I mean, I think Co in a sport that's prob- probably uh, more global than shot put and a bit less specialised, but I guess... Um, that's not to discount the uh, the incredible streak that uh, Valerie's Valerie's been on, and and it's uh, and she is undisputedly the greatest in her sport, which she may have over Co, I guess. And with neither of them really having major competition wins, I mean, it wasn't a world champs year for athletics or uh, or no Olympic games on. It's kind of hard to judge them, but I think you could almost flip a coin at the end of the day. Well, it might make it a bit easier for you. We'll give you a first crack at team team of the year. I mean, that that's possibly a bit more room for debate in, in team of the year. Yeah, there's always healthy debate over this one. Um, I mean, there's often complaints about the rowers uh, getting too much of a look in, but you look at that men's pair winning two world championships this year and are still unbeaten in their uh, five years together, is it now? I mean, they're, they're pr- probably one of the most amazing teams we've got. I mean, the All Blacks are always going to be in the mix, but they 
didn't have as good a season as they had last season, so I think it would be hard to give it to them. I mean, the Kiwis are constantly getting overlooked for awards like this, and I mean, winning the Four Nations, they have to at least be in the conversation for it. So it's a hard one to choose, but um, put on the spot, I'd probably have to go with those rowers. Vinny, thoughts on, on Team of the Year? Well, considering I actually thought Taranaki were very harshly done by the New Zealand Rugby Awards for Team of the Year, uh, I, I won't be going with the All Blacks. Um, I, I think with a sport like Rugby, Cricket, League, quite often you gravitate towards a World Cup, uh, and for none of those sports was it a World Cup year. The Kiwis, great effort in the Four Nations, but uh, I think they did lose the Anzac Test uh, earlier in the season. The Black Caps, um, well, if they're going to... Uh, until they win every Test match, but, you know, they're making great progress. Jeez, I feel like I'm uh, putting some pretty high... Uh, some pretty high um, sort of uh, things for them to reach here. And the All Blacks, of course, did have a couple of losses, but still a phenomenal year. So I'd really be pretty open as to anyone else amongst that list. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Alex, who sounds like he knows what he's talking about, and uh, the, the men's pair who haven't lost for 100 years. So uh, how could they not deserve it? Bridget, I mean, uh, that, that rowing pair of uh, Hamish Bond and Eric Murray, um, yeah, they just keep on going, don't they? But uh, at least there is some debate, I suppose, more over over team of the year. Yeah, I think um, the the track cycling team might get a look in this year. Um, great performance again at the uh, at the Commonwealth Games, and they're pretty consistent, aren't they? Um, the Kiwis, you know, although they won the Four Nations, they lost again to Australia in the Anzac Test. Um, so there's still a feeling of, a, of some inconsistency around the Kiwis. All Blacks had a couple of losses. Um, yeah, I, I think it would probably, for me, come down... To between the cyclists and the rowing men's pair, and yeah, I think it would be hard to go past those two. Oh, I think I'm with you there, Bridget. I mean, that track uh, sprint team uh, at the World Champs in uh, in Colombia earlier in the year. I think they'd get my vote for for team of the year. Barry, your your thoughts? Yeah, pretty much in agreement. I think uh, when it comes to the likes of the All Blacks and uh, the Kiwis and the Black Caps, perhaps when they do perhaps in a World Cup year, perhaps puts them more into contention. So I agree. The uh, perhaps the track sprint cycling team. Uh, I'll also have uh, Tukin Burling, who did well in the Forty Niners. They won their World Championship this year. And those uh, Kiwi pair of those rowers. So it, it would be one of those three. I'll go for the cyclists. Thank you, Barry Guy. Thank you, Bridget Tunnicliffe, Vincent Wiley, and Alex Coogan Reeves. And that brings us to the end of extra time for another week. And in fact, the end of extra time for, for 2014. Remember, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. And you can also follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Houston. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.